Welcome everyone to episode of Tectonic Takes. Um, it's not Fabi today, guys. Uh, it's been he's been the one that's been mostly doing the interviews. Uh, but you got Will today and another special guest. Of course, that's what Tectonics does. We bring guests on. It's their second time interview. I'm excited to have the you know the radio announcer. You hear his voice on the radio for the earthquakes. Ted Ramey, excuse me. What's going on, man? How's it going? I'm good, man. I'm just getting stoked for the start of Major League Soccer season. It's been way too long. And, you know, it's, we still got a ways to go. It's what's today, March 9th. And we got to go till the 17th of April. So we're getting there, man. I just, uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's been far too long since we've had some earthquake soccer. And I know that, you know, like the final wasn't that long ago in the MLS cup and stuff, but still I, we, we need this, man. I need, I need some quake soccer back in my life. Right. Of course. I mean, especially with what happened against Kansas city, like an exciting game, but obviously, you know, quakes fell short. But I mean, nevertheless, at least we're we knowing we're having a season. That was a big little scare in the beginning. I mean, what did you think? Like, were we going to have a season? Was that ever a doubt in your mind? Um, you know, I think that with the CBA discussions and everything, they were going to do the posturing that both sides normally do. I felt that they would eventually come to a some sort of resolution. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, I'm always going to side with the players. I'm, I'm in a union as well. And, you know, I was, I grew up the son of a, of a dad in the uh, union. So, I, you know, I side with the players, but I also understand like this was a complicated issue. There's never been anything like coronavirus in the modern sports age. I mean, this is, it's totally unprecedented and the use of the word unprecedented also unprecedented. Uh, but you know, I was, I was a little worried just because my, my main concern, and I always go back to this is that if you look at the growth of the NBA and hockey, one of the reasons the NBA really got bigger than hockey over the last, you know, 30 years is because the NBA has only had one major work stoppage and the NHL has had a few. And I think that was a, a, a big reason. I mean, I think NBA probably would end up popular than NHL anyway, but I think that the NHL has definitely been hurt by that. And I don't think baseball has ever recovered from 1994 strike. I think that they're still in mean, baseball is baseball, but you know, the, they've never, it's never had the same place in American culture. And I was worried that, you know, any sort of stoppage with major league soccer could potentially damage things, but you know, they worked it out and we've got our season coming up. Uh, so I'm happy. And, you know, the important thing is that, you know, these guys, a get paid and then B continue to get paid uh, because, you know, it's not like the NBA where, you know, if they miss some time, uh, it's it's not that big of a deal for Major League Soccer. The salaries are not anywhere near that level yet, so it's a, it's a different conversation for the players, totally. Right. I mean, it's it's just a big relief. I mean, like you said, if it if they did get shut down, I mean, it it would have been who knows where the MLS would have ended up afterwards. But you know, like you said, we won't get drag this in too long. We're good. We're having a season. It's coming. It's April. It's about to be here soon enough. Um, but a lot of things happened in the offseason for the Quakes, which, you know, usually doesn't happen, or at least sometimes it doesn't feel like it for us fans. It doesn't feel like Quakes <laughs> or do anything. But um, we're just going to go kind of right into it. On I'm going to want to ask, what's your favorite acquisition the Quakes made this season, or so far, I should say? Um, I mean, I can classify that a couple different ways. If we go just for potential, then I really do like what we're looking at with Chofis because he is – playmaker he's a creator he can fill into that 10 role better than we would see with rios 
because Rios was kind of a fish out of water filling in for Magnus after Magnus departed. And Magnus was never a true 10 either. So we haven't had this kind of true 10 since uh, MPG back uh, in 2015 and 2016. So I'm excited to see what that will bring. Um, And I was kind of thinking like, okay, so my ideal starting line, I'd be like Wando up top. And then you would have Shofis in the pocket playing the 10, Fierro on the left, Espinosa on the right, probably Judson and Jackson in the middle. And then you'd have Flo um, uh, alongside uh, Alanis. And then you'd have uh, Lopez on the left and Abekasis on the right in front of JT Marcinkowski. And I like that starting 11, especially considering you can have Shea Salinas and Andy Rios and Cade Cowell coming off the bench as. Uh, offensive relief and you're also going to have you know players like tommy thompson paul marie uh so yeah i mean i i like the show feast one just because of what the potential is and what i think he's capable of being i think that's the one i am most excited about but i could have just as easily said uh, and eric rometty because they'll need that depth in midfield because of uh, international departures for uh, jackson yule that are expected um Abikasis, you know he's got a great amount of potential and experience taking over for Nick Lima. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I, that I like right now. And then you look at some of the younger dudes that we picked up uh, one from Reno, one out of the draft, a couple of strikers. So there's potential there as well. So, uh, but Shofis is the one that really has me most excited right now. Um, Even if people are skeptical of him, I saw somebody posted a, a meme on um, Reddit. that was just saying, I hope he stunts on everybody. I was like, yeah, me me too. Yeah, I mean, I think every every Quakes fan wants the you know the best trophies we can possibly have out of them, you know, and just all these guys that, that Almeida's. I mean, these are pretty much essentially Almeida's guys, right? I mean, you yeah. think about it, it's Almeida's team. Almeida's bringing these guys in. It's you know, um, but it's great on both Almeida's part and Jesse Fornelli to making this happen, right? That seems like they're finally they're on the same page. It doesn't seem like you know there's any any issues going on with that. I mean, do you feel like that's, do you think they're going to make more moves, you know, coming or do you think this is kind of, they're kind of, yeah, they're plateauing at this point. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they made more moves. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make any more moves. Um, so we're just kind of have to wait and see. I mean, again, if I, this, I, this is the problem, like I was alluding to is like in any year past, I would be around the team. I'd be around Jesse more. Um, I mean, when you're on the road with these guys, even if it's just, you know, before a game, just chatting with Jesse, uh, any of these things, you know, you just kind of get a greater feel for the situation. And that's what sucks is like these guys are all, you know, people that I consider friends and I'm not allowed to go anywhere near them. I mean, like with Jesse specifically, since he came in in 2017, he and I just clicked very, very quickly, you know, and whenever we see each other, it's a big hug and talk and, you know, we just enjoy each other's company and, you know, we can, whether it's talking about, you know, sports or music or wine, whatever, we always enjoy hanging out. I don't get to do that with Jesse and I don't get to do that with any of the players. And uh, like I did an interview with Matt Bersano the other day and it was just kind of funny. I was like, yeah, man, I don't think I've talked to you in person since last, you know, like I may, I think I might've seen him before the last game on March 7th, a year ago before Minnesota. It's just stuff like that. It's weird. And so when you're taken away from that immediate kind of ability to talk to guys, you you don't get the same feel. So uh, again, neither, neither would surprise me at this point. I'll put it that way. 
Yeah, I mean, right. I, I couldn't couldn't disagree with you. I mean, we uh, I was surprised they made so many moves, um, and they answered a lot of needs. I would say, in my opinion, that I feel mm-hmm. like they answered some needs. Um, and one of the needs that I mean, we're still gonna talk about is you know the right the right back position. Yes, you know they got they got the player. I mean, we were thinking. I was hoping it was gonna be Layun. I mean, did you think that they were gonna actually pull that off at all? I mean, I was hoping for Layun. You know, these rumors never come out of nowhere, so I'm sure it was being discussed. If not, then, you know, somebody got a good, you know, somebody's agent was trying to uh, bring up some, uh, you know, some sort of interest, which is always a possibility. Um, It would, you know, would have intrigued me. He's not the youngest guy in the world anymore, but still with his experience and what he's been capable of doing in his career, you would have loved it. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I think this was a guy that Almeida and Abacasas looked at and said, okay, we can we can make this work. And I have faith in the guys that uh, Almeida has brought in. I mean, it took a little bit of time for Fierro to develop, but as the year went on last year, he he just started looking like a stud and just started being more of a contributor, just was more aggressive. And I think that you know Almeida also did more to adapt his game to some of his players' talents. I mean, the Quakes, they suffered that bad stretch last year where they were getting blown out left and right. And you know, now you can tell who's not watching the earthquakes because they say, oh, it's all man marking tactics. And it's like, no, down the stretch, they were playing tons of zonal schemes. There were there was man marking. There was zone. They used it both. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it was always yeah. whenever you heard anybody it was like, oh, Almeida's man marking. It's like, well, you know, there's a lot more than that. But, you know, people are going to have their takes on it. But uh, it'll be it, it'll be interesting to see how that does work out, because you also have Tommy Thompson who can play right back, right wing, center midfield. He can do a lot of things. Uh, Paul Marie showed some nice flash last year when he came in and subbed. Um, And what was interesting is at times, and I'm curious to see what they do with the substitutions, is they dropped Espinosa back to right back a few times and had, um, I want to, I can't remember who they moved up to right wing, but I was thinking that that's something they could do if they wanted to move Espinosa back to right back later in a game, 70th minute or so, put Cade Cowell on the right wing, and see what he can do as well. And that's that's another thing I like about the Earthquake because they have so many guys that can fill in um, at different positions because you can have Cade left and right and up top. You can have Fierro. He played fullback. He played winger. He played uh, striker. Um, you have a lot of players like that that you can just kind of move around and fit in, and that's kind of what Matias Almeida is known for. He likes those versatile players. Right. And it's just because it was a big question, right, for everyone, because Nick Lima's gone, right? I mean, homegrown kid, you know, Nick Lima, you know, national team player, and he's gone. All of a sudden, he's gone to Austin for, you know, I think it was about $500,000. You know, it could be either a little, little low, a little high. I mean, who us? I mean, who do we know to really to judge about a game for a player like that? But still, for us, at earthquakes. Most of the fans probably think like, oh, "What are we going to do here?" And are we really trusting that losing a key piece like that for Almeida's system is it going to work out? But you know, like you said, who knows? With like you said, with them shuffling things around and with man marking system, I mean, who really is to say with these? You know, on the on especially on the wing positions, who knows what Almeida can really you know mix around and jiggle? I mean, jiggle things around, right? Yeah, I mean, he he has the ability, he has the vision to know what he wants to do, and I, I think they have options, um, and I, I like that. Another guy you look at is, uh, is Saeed Haji as well, because I want to say that he played some wing and some right back um, when he had his first substitute positions as well. Um, you know, you have Shea Salinas, you can put him at winger, you can put him at fullback, he's played both. He's, a, he's gotten much better at fullback than he was back in uh, 2017 when he first had his first uh looks at the left back position, but, um, you know, they, they have options. And I think that's what Matias Almeida wants. And I think that 
he'll let guys compete and he seems to always like last year he, he made the switch to put lima back at the right back position because they wanted to shut down guys like pavone uh for instance and um you know you you look at uh just a couple of the other attackers they had to they had to shut down um you know it's it, it made sense for them to make changes so i i think almeida a lot of people view him as this rigid man marking do only what he wants to do but it you know it seems like the more he's learned about major league soccer the more flexible he's become um and the more he's been able to uh make things work within his system right and now so with all these changes do you feel like this team is more talented than last year's team or do you feel uh, what do you feel about this the, the difference between these two teams i mean it's all dependent on health but i felt like espinosa was better last year than he was the year before I feel like um, Lopez was getting a lot better, you know, at the left back position. So I think that that is something that you watch his progression. Jackson Ewell's getting better. I don't think Wando is really going to slow down that much. Um, and if he was right here, I would tell him straight to his face. I don't think that he could physically get much slower. Uh, and that's, yeah. you know, because he's not, he's not a fast man. And I'm sure no. he'll be the first to admit that. But a man still knows how to score. I, you know, I expect Wando in a 34 game schedule to score at least 10 goals. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had 15, 18, you know, maybe even 20. I mean, that's not, this is not going to be outside the realm of possibility. Shea Salinas has shown that he is very, very effective within Matias Almeida's, Almeida's system. He's had great seasons the last two years with Almeida. Um, and again, you look at the continued advancement of uh, of players, again, like a like a Cade Cowell, or you look at what you can maybe do with a Kakanovich or Williamson, two of the new, new guys, and Shofis. I mean, I like to think that the more players that Almeida gets to fit his style, the better the earthquakes will become. But of course, now you know we're, we got to play these games. It's it's one thing for me to uh, prognosticate; it's another thing for it to uh, actually occur in person. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like you said, it's really hard to see. But like you said, the, the, the quakes and certain players definitely last year just took a big, just big stride forward on their play. I mean, Espinoza is just you know crazy out there. He's the one making making the plays for the quakes, and he's going to be the one that's going to be helping Wando get those fifteen to twenty goals, like you're saying. I mean, that's that's pretty big. Be Wando, I mean, thinking about getting twenty goal season. I mean, it just yeah. But then, but like you said, Lopez too. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, I I, I mean. For me, I feel like because you don't hear so much like Quakes media, people talking about a player really, really doing so well or doing well in training and all these things. And then just to see it instead, just, you know, in per or, you know, not in person since we kind of go to the games, but, you know, through video, uh, watching him just go well, scoring goals, you know, doing all these things to be solidifying himself as the left back position. I mean, I mean, it's really hard to, to you know, not see that. Yeah. I mean, the way he came on last year, because I think, he had appendicitis. I'm trying to think. He yeah, that I know somebody else. It was uh, Fuentes who broke his collarbone, and it was Lopez who had the appendicitis. Um, but both of them kind of happened around the same time. And he came back from that, and he was just a stud. And he had a couple just unbelievable goals. Just showed off a big leg, and you know, just you love to see that development, especially for a, such a young guy. And he's another guy with versatility. Before he came to the Quakes, he was playing winger as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, you look at continued progression of these young guys, that's a big part of what the earthquakes are trying to do. And I don't know if you saw the release earlier today, but a bunch of the Academy members, um, are going with the quakes to Santa Barbara for their training camp. So you're going to get, you know, just a great experience for a lot of these younger dudes to go and train with the first team, uh, while they get ready for major league soccer season. And this is punishing conditioning 
that Almeida has these guys go through. So I think that's going to be a good experience for all those academy dudes and allow them to hopefully, you know, really judge their game and see what they need to work on and really see what it takes to be a professional soccer player. Yeah, no, I didn't see that, but I mean, uh, they're going to Santa Barbara. Hopefully they enjoy themselves a little bit right by the beach, probably yeah. having a good old time. Uh, makes me uh, think of my buddy uh, that lives uh, right upstairs to me in our apartment complex that went to UCSB. So, yes. yeah, I mean, um, but I mean, that's, that's great. Of course, why? But that's always great news to have these academy players go and, you know, be with this, you know, this training camp. Obviously, you know, it's just different yeah, with all this COVID yeah. stuff is different. I mean, I don't know if Quakes normally go to Santa Barbara. And now I feel like I'm really behind if they always go to Santa Barbara. No, they actually, with Almeida the last two years, they gone to cancun so um i think that this is another place where they can go and run on the beach because that's a a big thing that he does is running on sand for the conditioning purposes which dude i don't know if you ever jogged on sand it's brutal i can't imagine doing like running conditioning workouts i guess you you walk with him two weeks your calves are, you'll all look like nick lima's legs so yeah, I mean, uh, running, yeah, running sounds uh, already hard enough, but uh, now to go run in sand, yeah, that's, that's definitely no fun. And especially in Santa Barbara, they might get a little bit of tar on their feet. If you know about Santa Barbara uh, beaches, they definitely have a little tar there. So they'll have to yes, deal with that do. as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so thinking about the other other players, but like we talked about Eric, uh, I want him, don't mess up his name, Remedi? Remedi, right? I think, nice? yeah, I think it's Remedi. That's the, I'm sure if you, uh, if we were more, uh, Spanish speakers, we might put more emphasis um, oh, on right. the middle syllable, but I don't know. Like I, whenever I, I try to always sound it as like a re, like how as white as I am, like the best I can do. It's like remedy. That seems to be. Yeah. It's not remedy. It's remedy. I'm I, sure I, that's a very white anglicized version of it. I expected you to have this. You're gonna have to know it this season. Because well, the, the thing is, like I again, <laughs> like I would usually like ask and be like, bro, how do I, you know, like how do you want me to say your name? Like that's usually a question. That I've right. asked players, I'm like, how do you like? There, there's been a couple of players with the Sharks. Um, oh, yeah, those, are, like, those are always fun. I'm like, okay, you're Russian. You know how Americans say your names. I know it's wrong, and they'll be like, how do you say it? And they'll say, he's like, yeah, it's wrong, but it's fine. Just say it that way because you get that reaction too sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, when it gets to that point, you just, you know, you don't really care. As long as they don't think it sounds that bad, they're like, all right, whatever, we're just going to go with it. Because I, I would like to think that I can always trust other TV broadcasts, but, like, I've heard oh, people no. butcher names oh, of yeah. San Jose Earthquakes, and I'm just like, that's not even close. So, you know, like, hopefully I'll be able to uh, – somebody will be a, a go-between that I can talk to on the phone and be like, can you have him talk into your phone and tell me how your name is pronounced? But now I am, I am excited for him, man. I mean, I liked him with Atlanta. Um, and I think that especially, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do use this at times to allow Judson to drop more into the six and then Rometty plays more of an eight and maybe Jackson sometimes plays a little bit higher. And cause I don't think having all three of those guys out on the field at the same time, would be a bad thing at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. I'll be curious to see how the rotation does work. And I think that that was one thing that the earthquakes needed last year was more depth at, at that midfield. And that's no, you know, that's no knock on any of the other earthquakes midfielders. Um, but I mean, you can't be expecting, you know, Gilbert Fuentes to be ready to take that next up when he's still so relatively young. Um, you know, it's just kind of what, what the earthquakes are working with and having more depth of that midfield, I think will be uh, a big boost to their defense and more squad rotation for Almeida, because even if he has used more zonal tactics, it's, it's tiring regardless. You need to have more of that squad rotation. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to lead to that question was uh, before we try to enunciate his name was with Jackson 
probably going to be gone playing for the U23 team. I mean, do you really, I mean, how much like are we going to put pressure on ha- expecting Remedy to have, you know, quality outings because, you know, Jackson's going to be gone. And hopefully with Jackson being gone, what would this team really look like? And hopefully it doesn't, you know, go down, so turn southwards. Yeah. I mean, I think with Remedy, you're just expecting him to step in and, you know, he's been a starter in Major League Soccer before. He had a lot of experience with Atlanta. Um, you know, there's no, there should be no, I mean, he's not Jackson Ewell, and I wouldn't expect him to be Jackson Ewell, nor would I expect Jackson Ewell to be Remetti. Uh, but I think that you just have to look at him as a capable player who can come in there and be a boss in the midfield and, and work well with Judson. And I think that that's one of the reasons they got him is he was an immediate uh, player that they could plug and play with. And I think that that's, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of development. There wasn't a learning curve. I, I think that there was a steep learning curve for guys like Rios, um, and Fierro and some of the other players, you know, cause they come into major league soccer and it's just, it's a lot to take in. Um, even Vaco, you know, he, it took him a, a little bit to get going in major league soccer. He scored in his first game, but then, you know, it, he kind of had to figure things out. So I think that with Remedi, you had a guy who, again, was just plug and play and that he'd be ready to go when, when his name was called. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then the, what you said before about Almeida with possibly seeing all three out there. I mean, when it comes to Almeida, I don't, when it comes to subs, I mean, he's going to put whoever he feels at the moment. I mean, if you think if whatever's going on in his mind, he's going to put somebody out there. I, I mean, you definitely probably saw some subs this uh, last season or like questioning, like, I mean, where, where is he playing? Why, why is he out there? Like you probably got that. They're going through your mind a couple of different times. Yeah. I mean, because you are so used to seeing a game where a coach chases the points. Um, and that's not just with the earthquakes, but all over major league soccer and it'd be a tie game and he'd be throwing on attackers. And it's like, what? Wow, that's just, it's different. Cause a lot of, especially the American coaches in major league soccer, it's play for the points. Um, you know, don't go for the win, see if you can maybe eke out, you know, a last second goal, something like that. But if it's a, you know, if it's a one, one game or a two, two game or a nil, nil game, you know, in the 78th minute, you're usually seeing on another defensive midfielder or you're seeing another center back or something to that extent. And Malmeda is throwing out there. He's subbing on Vaco and Husin and whoever else it's going to be. Um, he just does it a little bit differently. And it's, I appreciate it because it's more entertaining. I mean, attacking soccer is the best there is. And when he puts, you know, all the offensive players out there and is not really doing much in terms of defense, he's kind of saying, okay, defense, you've been playing well for 60 minutes. I need you to do it for another 30 and change. And we're going to try and push forward and, and win this game. And for me, that's, that's, I think the fans enjoy it too. You want it, you don't, but not that there's anything wrong with playing for a point. I will never say that that's the wrong it's, move. It's, it sounds like you're, you're against the, the Dominic Kinnear kind of play, uh, way of style. No, I, I, I love Dom and his coaching. <laughs> I, I, and I understand it's, it's place, but at the same time, as a, from a pure selfish perspective as a broadcaster, when you come with that attack, that makes my job more active and engaging and fun because suddenly you, when you're throwing those numbers forward, you know, it picks up the tempo. Um, you know, with Dom, that wouldn't happen in a one, one game until like the 87th minute. And then for the next seven minutes, then he would throw numbers forward. But with Almeida, you know, it's, he's throwing numbers forward the entire game. Um, and actually last year, I, I should rectify this by saying he didn't do it as much. It was not as um, kind of, not reckless, like 2019, it was just go, go, go. And he wasn't really worried about what would happen. He learned, you know, what can happen in Major League Soccer. And he did adjust his tactics a little bit more over the course of 2020 to not throw as many number forward um, and try and kind of adjust to that. 
but he was still going with more of an attacking look with his substitutions every single game. I mean, and I don't think, I mean, like you said, any fan or any, you know, person that wants to see goals is going to hate that. So, I mean, of course, we're going to like that. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, chasing for points. And so where do you think with, you know, them chasing for points, where they're going to land in standings this season? Or where would you expect them? And where would you, I mean, of course, we want them to be first. But let's just say, where do you yeah. expect them to be? Um, you know, I think that I'm going with every year under Almeida, they have, gotten better in 2019 it came down to the last day of the year and they missed out last year they qualified before the last game of the season and were the eighth seed and lost in a thrilling opening round of the playoffs this year i am thinking that they could be somewhere if i have to go realistically versus hopes i'm looking at you know somewhere between four and six i think there's a chance they could be that high uh, that's 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 a you know that's me being optimistic, but I think that the continued progression we see under Almeida will allow for a higher placing, um, and I think that that's not you know entirely out of the question in terms of points per game. I have no idea. That's that's a. <laughs> I mean, that might be a little too much. Yeah, that's yeah. a little too much to ask. But, but yeah, seating seating is good. But you know, I just thought, hey, you know, you're, you're there. Maybe you have a good guess. You know, uh, hundred points. You know, whatever. But you know what I mean. Maybe have a a good guess on what maybe points and we'll see what they're in this seating wise. But yeah, I mean, four to six is realistic. Four to I'm, six, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean that seems fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, because there's there's good teams in the West, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Seattle, um, but yeah. yeah, but Seattle took a took a hit with their you know everybody's well, you know favorite going down with the uh, with the knee injury. Well, in Portland, but they, I mean, but they're always there though. Seattle and Portland are always. I mean, I feel like they're just always they're always in the mix every time. It just doesn't feel like it. It doesn't sound like a time when you're like, oh yeah, we don't have to worry about Seattle this year. They're not you know, or we don't got to yeah. worry about Portland. It just feels like it hasn't been like that at least for the last I don't know probably ten years. I don't know maybe yeah. I mean, you got to worry about everybody. I mean, that's the thing is there's so much parity in the league, even though for the last couple of years, it's been Portland and Columbus and Toronto and Seattle. And I think what's the other and Atlanta. Um, I know there's another team in there, but there was a, uh, again, like most things, it's a meme off of Reddit, uh, but it was just talking about how the same teams have been meeting up in the MLS cup final year after year after year. But I mean, everybody can come at it. Um, I mean, LAFC, they're going to be gearing up again. Uh, the galaxy, they've got a new head coach and they've got a new, uh, you know, just kind of an identity now. And it'll be interesting if they can maximize Chicharito and, you know, if exactly. they get Pavone back, you know, if they do sign Pavone, uh, he's dealing with the double ankle surgery and he's not going to be ready at the start of the year. If they do end up figuring out something, uh, was it Boca juniors? I can't remember which club he came from, uh, right now I'm blanking. Yeah. Uh, but that was, you know, a discussion is, you know, he's got, he just had double ankle surgery, so he won't be ready if he does end up with the galaxy. So there's question marks everywhere. And then, you know, there's just, there's talents everywhere. And so it's hard to figure it out. And every year there's a surprise team and every year there's a disappointing team. So, um, you know, the Quakes have a relative consistency about them and they've been getting better under Almeida. So, uh, you know, bring it on. <laughs> right. And I mean, uh, I think last year, all, everyone was excited for the Quakes. I mean, I, think, I don't think our expectations after what 2019 was to really expect to make playoffs and especially how the season was going. You know, the playoffs seemed like it was kind of out of the out of the question at first, you know, during at least after after the after the tournament. So to make the playoffs was amazing. It was exciting as a game. I think the Quakes could have won against Sporting KC. I mean, I don't know if you were, you know, how how you felt about like their chances of beating KC. But I mean, they definitely had their chance to win that game. And um, but now thinking that they're going to be four and six. I mean, do you expect just 
oh, they're just going to make the first round again and be out? Or are we expecting at least for this to make a long run? And Or are you just, uh, who knows? We'll see what we see. I go with my continued vein of improvement under Almeida. If year one was no playoffs, year two was first round of the playoffs, year three should be second round of the playoffs. And I think that's kind of how they should all view it. And I, I think they should want to go farther than that. So I'm viewing at least the second round of the playoffs is my level of expectation. Um, I, you know, we'll have to wait and see, obviously, but you know, I think that the Quakes have some. I think that they're a team that people like to sleep on, and I think that they don't recognize always the talent that's here. I think a big boost for this team in terms of points per game, which is something I can't give you a number on, but not a dig at Vega, but I think last year it became clear that it's JT Marcinkowski's time. Now, Marcinkowski is going to miss some time with the U23s, obviously, but I think that if he is more often than not um, your guy, I think that'll help things out because Marcinkowski is a high-level talent, and he's great between the sticks. He's younger. He's coming into the prime of his career. And I think that when he came in between the sticks last year, it settled things down. And that's going to be another a boost for the Quakes last year that, um, you know, maybe if that move had happened earlier and that's, you know, you never know when you, when the right time is to make the change. It's hard for a coach because you don't, you know, what if it's the wrong move? And then you have to go turn back to the guy whose confidence you just shattered. You know, it's just, it's, it, that's what, you know, one of the reasons why the coaches get the big money is because they have to make these difficult decisions that have impacts on their players. Um, but, you know, Marcinkowski is the man between the sticks. I think that helps the Quakes. And then again, the continued evolution of a guy like Cade Cowell. I, you know, he scored one goal last year and had a couple of assists. I'm expecting more from him this year. And, you know, he's just, he's a physical freak. And I think that him, continuing his evolution as a player. I think you're going to see a better version of Fierro. I think you're going to see a better version of Rios. I am very excited about Chofis, um, Espinoza. I, you know, I'm very excited for more of him. He keeps on getting better year after year. Um, so you know, I know the Quakes aren't full of the flashy big-time signings, but I think there's a lot of talent here that's also developing at the right time that's going to allow them to have um, a, a better outcome than they did a year ago. Right, and I think with Cade, I think just the the last thing he really needed during you know during the season was just to finish in the final third. You know, he would get these chances, those runs. Those, he's out there, he's out in the open, and it's just just couldn't get finished. I mean, and yeah. he had that chance in Sporting KC too to get that. I mean, that was kind of one of those things you're just like kind of smack your head in the forehead, you're just like ah, oh, come on, man, if he just had it. But but you know, it, it is what it is. But I mean, that's what we're hoping to see from his game, right? I mean, to to finish in that final third. Yeah, man. And he's a freak. Like yeah. I just, you know, like in the, he did, you know, have a couple of times where he didn't finish, um, but he was 16 and, you know, 17 for the last couple of months of the year. Like, you know, when I was 17, like, what was I doing? Like going to Taco Bell with my friends? Right. Like right. I was not playing in my <laughs> off games. Yeah, you just um, don't think about that, you know, though, yeah. you don't think about like this guy, he's a kid, he's, he's, he's a teenager and he, he's, should be almost scoring these goals in MLS. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, it, it, I, I mean, I always kind of forget about that. You forget about that. I mean, that was a great point. It's well, it's crazy because also like I think about like if if I was seventeen and I also heard rumors out there that like FC Barcelona was scouting me. Oh. Like, my, I mean, my ego would have just. I mean, like he doesn't care. He's just going out there and doing his thing, right. and the sky is the limit with him. I, you know, I think that there's a reason why. People who've watched him play, they're like, you know how Alfonso Davies had that different look? Like, you kind of get that feeling about him. And I think the sky is the limit for him. I, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if he is, you know, more and more getting this, these looks with the national team. 
um, and having these opportunities to really showcase just how good he can be because he's such a freaky athlete. He has, you know, he has that burst of speed that's very, very rare. And just you watch him, he's kind of like a, a power forward. Like guys are almost taken back by his physicality. It's they're surprised by it um, because that you see a 17 year old kid and then all of a sudden you, three steps and a drop of his shoulder, he's going past guys in a long touch. And it's like, holy, what, where did that come from? So I want, I want more of that this year. Oh yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, I think we all want that. I mean, no one's gonna say no. But, but you were mentioning who players are you excited for? I mean, I gotta ask: is there is there one that you know you have on your list that you're just like, that's my one guy I'm really excited for to see this season? I mean, I guess you would have to say Wando since we expect it to be his final year um, again. <laughs> yeah, again, the man doesn't slow down, or he does. You know, he can't get any slower in terms of his sprinting speed, but he uh, he just keeps on scoring goals. And uh, you know, last year he only ended up with seven. There's no doubt in my mind he would have had another double-digit gold total if he had had a full 34 games. Uh, you know, who came through at the end of the year with the big goals? It was Wando, time and time again. Who scored yeah. the goal in the, you know, what was it, the 96th minute against Sporting Kansas City? Oh, that was I mean, that's the guy just, you know, there, you have a feeling that if he wanted to, that if he didn't have a family and all he wanted to do was just continue playing, that he probably could go a little bit longer. And I think yeah. that there's a part of him that wants to go out on top. He doesn't want to trickle out with one goal in a year. He wants to, you know, score double-digit goals and still remind everybody of why he is the all-time goal king. So, you know, Wando is the guy that I think that you, you go to first and foremost. But, you know, beyond that, I think that you have a lot of guys on the squad. I think you want to see more from Jackson Yule because he's, you know, he seems to get better every single time he's out there on the pitch. JT Marcinkowski, Lopez, you know, Flo. I love the fact that Flo has kind of just been – talking a little smack all off season and talking up his own game. And I'm like, yes, I like the, uh, the trash talking flow. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys on the team, but you know, Wando is first and foremost, just because we expect it'll be his, his last year with the quakes. And, um, I don't think he wants to go out quietly. I think he wants to go out, uh, you know, like the rolling stones with a bigger bang. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want him to be like uh, a Joe Thornton or a Patty Marlowe. Like, you know, I to compare him to the San Jose Sharks, I mean, players that have been with this team for so long and doing such great things and just falling just short of winning, a, you know, a championship. I mean, it's got it's got to get done this year. I know it's so much pressure put on this team, but this is what we want. We don't want Wando to go out quietly. And, uh, I mean, we're just hoping they, they can get it done, with the, especially with how Almeida is bringing everyone together. It would be great. I mean, it would be it would be a fitting end to uh, one of the all-time American soccer players. And I think that uh, when his career is done, and we saw more of this over the course of last year, The Athletic had a really cool article where it was just kind of an oral history of Wondolowski with guys just talking about all his antics and you know getting drunk at Raiders games and stuff <laughs> like this. Like the guy is he's such a normal guy. Like that's like what people don't understand is like he is the most laid back. And just chill, dude, does not act like a guy who is the all-time goal scorer, does not act like a guy who's played in World Cups, does not act like a guy who's been a league MVP, all-star, goal. I mean, you go down the list of the accolades. Like, he's the last dude that you would ever think just based on his personality. And the fact that he is just makes him that much cooler. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy we've seen go. Uh, he gets he goes party with the ultras after being suspended for a game, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, what player? I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any other player go do that. Take off his shirt uh, with the fans jumping around with them, waving his shirt, going crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't. You don't see that often. I, I don't no. think ever. Uh, yeah, ever. I can't think of an instance. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's just that's just the type of player that you know he's. 
he's so devoted to the city and just, you know, the Bay area. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that statement was clear then. So now it's like, you've got to bring it all together now. Like I'm hoping that this could just, just happen. Cause I don't want another player like, you know, that, that goes and plays so hard for San Jose and it just falls short. Yeah. I mean, you, you hope that everything goes, uh, goes right. That you can get kind of some of that magic that you saw in 2012 um, and kind of turn into something different this year. And, if anybody can make that happen beyond Chris Wondolowski, it's Matias Almeida. I mean, the guy just is, he's different. I, you know, the, the comparison that I've made for Almeida and it's limited because my Spanish is, is limited and which is like, dude, I used to live in San Diego and my Spanish was like conversational and now it's just abysmal. It's, it's sad. And like, especially now with like a Spanish speaking coach and coaching staff and the read I get from him is very similar to Jim Harbaugh is that guys want to win for him, that he is, he's kind of a nut in a good way and it's an endearing way. And I think that guys want to play for him and he finds different ways of motivating guys, finds different ways to get high level play out of guys. Cause that's what the best coaches do. They put their players in a position to succeed. And that's that's what Jim Harbaugh did. That's why you saw him resurrect Alex Smith's career and, you know, turned other uh, 49ers team that went from, you know, they were like eight and eight and made them 13 and three and took them to the NFC championship game in one year and had them much, much better. Matias Almeida took a worst ever team in the franchise in 2018 and then has made them better each passing year that he's had. And obviously the international soccer market complained comparing player acquisition to the NFL, it's, you can't yeah, even make you it. Can, no. I was like, you can't really make that. No, that no, you can't do that. But, but the fact no, of the matter no. is, is it seems like he's maximizing guys like Jackson Ewell went from, well, that guy's a nice passer to, Oh, now he's on the national team. And you look at what he's been able to do with Lopez. You look at what he's been able to do with, you know, an Espinosa, you look at what he's been able to do with, you know, in short time, Cade Cowell. So, you know, if there's anybody that can do this, I, I feel like it is Matias Almeida, and it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, it definitely is. And then we were talking about who, you know, who you're excited for, all these players, but who we was talking about that someone didn't have a great season last year that we're really, you want, like, you know, comeback kind of player? Um, You know, I don't I don't know who would kind of fill in that role. Um, You know, I don't I would be think... thinking like a Alanis, like, you know, a guy that was injured, didn't have great, some great games. I mean, he did have, you know, he did come back a little bit after finally injury, but you know, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for him, you look at, he stepped up in some big moments and even though he did have the knee injury and was out for a little bit, but like you look at the, you know, big points on the first day of the year by earning the tie against Toronto FC. And then, you know, was good down the stretch. There wasn't anybody last year that I thought that was particularly um, just, out of their element or having a terrible year. I mean, I think Rios was often a point of, you know, polarization for Quakes fans. But my reaction was always like, he's not a 10. That's not yeah. his specific he's, position. Like he's just up and down, you know, it was just like, yeah. Rios is doing well. And then he's not. And then, yeah, it was just up and down for him. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like how I felt about Magnus before. It's like, he was an inverted winger. And then he started playing at 10 and people didn't like him because he said he wasn't that pacey. And I was like, well, except the ball moves forward when he gets into his feet and he finds guys, you know, he rewards off ball movement. Um, and he was a polarizing figure. Um, and he was, you know, having a nice year uh, before he transferred back to Sweden. But I guess Rios will be the guy that if he gets more opportunity to play his natural, um, you know, position up top, as opposed to being in the pocket, I think I would like to see a little bit more from him, but I, I, I didn't think that he had a, a poor season per se. I think he was just 
playing a little bit out of position, which to his credit, a lot of guys don't want to do that. They don't want to be put in a, in a position where they feel they're not their best. Uh, but he took one for the team, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, definitely, I could agree. Yeah, there's definitely players that we couldn't really say that, uh, you know, he had a bad season. I mean, I guess maybe we can also kind of say Daniel Vega, maybe, because we are going to see him start probably some more games this season. So a guy that, you know, obviously, you know, lost his starting job who can really try to prove himself again this coming season with Marcin Gowski being out. Um, I don't know how you feel about that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that with Vega, he also was on um... – he was the guy that was out there when the training was most impacted by the wildfires. And it's something I actually talked to Matt Bersano about and just like how, you know, the team, it was, you know, it was very, very hard to prepare and it was not normal. And I think that the change also coincided with the team being able to return to normal, more normal tra training conditions. Cause the smoke was, I mean, out of control. And I think that that made it worse for Vega than it maybe otherwise would have been, but you know, I think Vega has had some very, very nice performances with the earthquakes. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I expect him as a professional to come out there and, you know, have good games when he, when he does come in. Um, I never, I think people are always very quick to look at the goalie um, in any given situation, but like the game against Seattle, in which they lost seven, one, that, that wasn't on him. I, I mean, like he was not the problem that game. He was put in awful positions. The problem is, and, I, and this is what happens by working with uh, Joe Cannon, a goalkeeper for, you know, the better part of the last decade is you understand like the camera might always pan in on the goalie after a goal is scored as they squirt the water bottle or chuck it at the ground or scream at somebody. But there's a million breakdowns that happened before somebody got up to the attacking third and scored that goal. It's just the goalie is the last line of defense. Yeah, definitely. Well, as we're getting close to wrap things up, I want to just ask this last question about what do you feel like uh, that your tectonic, as they call it, tectonic take of the season? Like we're expecting your, your big, big thing, like Guando 20 goals or, you know, Quakes winning the whole thing. What do you got? I, my, my tectonic take will be, uh, what's, what's a good one? Um, Cade Cowell double digit goals. Wow. Yeah. Really? You're yeah. Really feeling it. You just, you just I, go for you it. Know, I'm going for it because wh why not? You know, I, I figure that's, that's got, I'll go with a bold take saying Wando, like even if he did score 20 goals, like I yeah, don't think anybody would be that surprised. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, but I think Cade Cal, if he, you know, if he scored 10 goals, that would, that would, that would get people pretty excited. So yeah, I'll go yeah. Cade Cal double digit goals. Perfect. I mean, I, yeah, that'll be, that'll be awesome. Uh, so yeah. that is a, that is a great take, you know, and um, for me, if I'm going to have a take a take, I'm more of the guy that wants all the glory. I want, I want the cup, you know, I want the Wando raising it up and the, the confetti and all the, all the fireworks, whatever we can do. I'll take it. Right. Um, but at least the, at least the good news on the other side though, before we end this is that you are going to at least try to have some interaction soon because the fans are going to start a little bit of fans are starting to come. So at least we'll know that we'll have fans for the games. I mean, it's going to be much more exciting for you this, you know, this season, yeah. at least. Oh, dude. I mean, it's being there without the fans is so weird calling games in an empty stadium. I mean, there were the, the cars there and that was cool, but it's not the same. I mean, just you, you have these big moments, like my favorite day of the year. That's not associated with anything, you know, to my family um, you know, like birthdays or anniversaries, things of that nature is the, the Classico at Stanford. I mean, that's, right. there is no better event to go to. You get 50,000 plus packed into a stadium for the 4th of July. Everybody goes nuts, you know, and then like other big games, you know, at earthquake stadium, you know, you just get fans rocking loud. There've been so many big moments there 
and it gets really loud and you as a broadcaster you feed off of that and when that's not there it's very much different very 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 much different so you know this will be uh this will be pretty cool to get everybody back in. And then the promising side, I don't, you know, every county is a little bit different, but I did see that if the trend continues for COVID rates by March 31st, then I know the A's think they will be able to have 33% capacity for opening day. Right now, I think they are going to do 20%, but the trend for Alameda County would be 33%. The orange tier, which is, you know, the purple, red, orange. Yeah, yeah. there's so many the different colors. colors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the numbers that I, were, that I was looking at are, I, I don't know what the county of Santa Clara is going to do, but I think it could be pretty similar. So hopefully that just means we'll be returning to having more fans in stadium and everybody getting vaccinated and getting back out there because right. that's what we want. We want people out there, you know, just being able to go and buy a beer and stand out there and cheer on the quakes it's uh you know it's my favorite place uh, in the world to go to is be at earthquake stadium for a game and uh, it's not that it wasn't last year but it was not at all the same without the fans yeah all right and well i mean we're pretty much all wrapped up here but if you want to let know all our listeners you know where they can listen to you for of course the sounds the earthquake stuff and of course i know any sharks fans that listen to this podcast you have a lot of stuff going on in there you can give a quick uh, little shout out where they can listen to you i know uh, i listen to your uh, morning tide podcast on uh sharks the sharks app i don't know if there's anywhere else that you can find it at but yeah please let, let them know where they can you know hear you yeah, for for uh, for the earthquakes, uh, KMBR ten fifty is where the soccer hour is right now. Um, that's where our games have been. I have not been talking to uh, the upper parties about the continuation of that contract. I'm assuming it will continue, uh, but these are matters above my head. But uh, the soccer hour right now is on KMBR ten fifty, um, and I'm assuming the games will be there again this year. Uh, for other stuff that I do, the sharks. That's on the Sharks Audio Network, which is on their Sharks and SAP app. And also uh, the podcast is it's podcast anywhere you get podcasts if you look for Morning Tide. Um, and then also uh, KCBS Radio is where you can hear me do uh, traffic and sports and news, uh, 740 AM, 1069 FM. And also you can stream it at kcbsradio.com. But yeah, man, I am stoked for uh, this upcoming season, April 17th. Yes, April 17th. I'll get here soon enough. Definitely. And yeah, guys, you can hear Ted and plenty of things. He just named off like a hundred things for you guys to listen to him. It was, it's a, always a pleasure to have you on the show. And I'm glad at least I, I get to have a one-on-one. I've been wanting to, to have this interview because our last one went like for like three hours almost. It felt like, and it, you just had so much to talk about. It was really exciting to have you on again. So I appreciate it. Any, and so. Yeah, man. Anytime you want me to come on, I am always down to uh, talk about my quakes uh, i can as I, I talked your guys ears off for three hours that one time i, I hope that didn't ruin your, your plans for the night but yeah dude i can i can go along on the quakes anytime you want no definitely what plans we're we're installing we're still in covid time so no that was definitely <laughs> awesome but yeah last thing i gotta say is go quakes go quakes what's up everybody this is fabi from tectonic takes i'm actually here with someone that you all know all love i mean if you've been a quakes fan for any time in the last i mean what 10 years you'll know his name it's robert jonas what's up how you doing robert welcome on hey uh thanks so much for having me it's a, a real pleasure and uh really been enjoying the takes so far and couldn't <laughs> couldn't uh couldn't wait to be a part of it perfect and i appreciate you coming on taking the time out of your day uh i know you're a really busy person if someone wants to get a hold of your content i know everybody probably knows you but where can they find you at 
Yeah, so uh, right these days, uh, Twitter.com, just at Robert Jonas is probably the best way to reach me and kind of read any links to my stories. Uh, as we get ready for the MLS season coming up, I'll have uh, hopefully uh, some special announcements soon about where my content will be primarily focused on. But uh, mm. Twitter is a good place to get a hold of me in the meantime. Perfect. And we'll all start to follow you if we haven't already, because that's that's for sure. We need to be following Robert Jonas. <laughs> all right. Well, this is another season preview. I know we've done a lot of these, but we've kind of gotten a little, I've gotten a little crazy on Twitter. I've said a couple of comments where maybe some Quakes fans weren't ready for it. You know, I gave my Teutonic take, but I'm trying to I'm, I'm going to give it to you, Robert. So we'll we'll give it to you at the end and we'll see what you think. It's it's a bit of a hot take, but I have a couple of questions for you beforehand. Sure. Um, of course. This team on paper to me, looks like it has more talent than last year. Do you agree with that statement? I would say that it has more experience in that talent than mm. maybe the last couple of years. Because, um, yeah, they've made a few changes. Um, yeah. I think Chofis is a, is a, is a really good addition. Uh, but uh, there were parts of the uh, the contributions from a Danny Hussein or a Vaco mm. that, you know, that maybe he's not going to be replacing, you know, Magnus Eriksson, another yeah. very important player for the second half of last season. Again, have they replaced them with better players? Um, I think that still remains to be seen, mm. um, but I think the potential is maybe more for the guys returning yeah. to show even better in Mateus Almeida's system. Mm. So is the roster better? I think the roster is more, uh, is more prepared. That's what mm. I would say. Yeah, that's that's a great way to word it. I mean, Fierro, another year under Almeida's belt, possibly has a bigger ceiling. Um, someone like Andy Rios, I know, is slumping, but he's had times where he's looked like a pretty good starting caliber striker. So maybe another year under the belt or maybe a super sub addition um, makes him have a better season than the prior years. We're probably going to see a lot of Daniel Vega this year as the game right now going on in USA versus uh, Dominican Republic. Jackson, you just scored. So another year under Daniel Vega's, you know, caliber with Almeida definitely goes ahead and he can have a good season. Maybe he has a bounce back season again. So we'll definitely see if if that pans out as well. OK, so where do you feel like we still need improvements on this roster? Uh, it's uh, it's probably not the, the first take you've heard, but uh, we know very much so that this Quake team can suffer on set pieces. And um, mm. they've got some guys who can take the set pieces, but defending them has been, you know, very much to the eye and to uh, the statistical analysis, a really tough part for this club. Um, yeah. You know, I was part of a small round table that had the, uh, the opportunity to talk to Jesse Fiorinelli last week and mm-hmm. it came up in the questioning. It was, and it was very much a, a point the GM said, yes, we understand. And we, we know the metrics. We see this as a problem. And it, it's not just about a change of style, but it could very well mean a true upgrade at center back maybe mm. a more physical you know ball winner that can can get to that ball i think back to like a, a clarence goodson a center right. back who who just the ball seemed to find his head no matter where he was mm. you know we we have a couple of center backs that are good with the ball at their feet but you know if they're able to defend aerially we haven't seen that on a consistent enough basis to yeah. uh, to feel uh, confident i think that's one place where this quicks team is still quite vulnerable and then on any restart you know no matter how frantic you are man pressing uh, defensive schemes you know yeah. whatever that whatever you want to call it when the ball's in play all of that goes out the window when it comes to set pieces and you've got to have the personnel on the field to defend 
Yeah. And if we get a starting center back that can help us on corners, or maybe we get a starting nine that is, an, you know, can take any aerial on defense and offense that would help exactly. us drastically. So definitely yeah. it's, it's something, you know, you watch Wando play, uh, you know, Wando just wants to get on the field no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, I don't know if he ever had the step to lose the step, which is sort of a <laughs> Ramiro Corrales joke. But, you know, Wando does get to the ball on set pieces. You know, he's able to to be that first defender. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Houston had some of that as well, although we just didn't see him on the field as much. Um, right. I haven't I haven't seen that out of an Andy Rios yet. And, mm. and you know, maybe that's where, you know, a, another upgrade on the field. Uh, to to a guy again with a good head for the ball is gonna is gonna help on those defensive pieces too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> uh, Andy Rios unfortunately doesn't really look like he got his head on a lot of corners last year. I know he had a yeah, I, I know he had a couple of. I think he had a corner goal with his foot where it like barely tapped his foot and it was like a wonder goal. But definitely needs to get his head on the balls more often so we don't yeah. let in any goals on defense and get more goals on offense. All right. What's your starting lineup for 2021? Ooh, starting lineup. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of the returning guys. Mm. Uh, I, I think uh, the main the main changes you're going to see are going to be you know, kind of focused on uh, on defense. You know, with mm-hmm. Nick Lima, you know, off to Austin. I think there's going right. to be good competition between uh, Lopez and, and Tommy Thompson and our, and the new uh, our new defender. Uh, Abacasis. Luciano Abacasis, yeah. uh, definitely. He's uh, he's not brought in to be a bench warmer. Kind of reminds <laughs> me of a, a Jordan Stewart when he was brought in at that stage in his career. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and he turned out to be very effective over those uh, couple of seasons that he was able to to play. Um, you you need to see Alanis and um, Flo in that center defensive partnership. Although I have a lot of confidence that uh, you know Tanner Beeson is going to be a really exceptional backup to both of them. Mm. Um, and then you run the uh, the midfield. You know, I mean, Jackson Ewell and Judson are your go-to starters. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, if one goes down or one is out on international duty, scoring mm-hmm. goals for for say their country like Jackson is, then <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Eric Hermetti is is the the guy they're pointing a finger at and saying you're the guy who's going to be able to step in and take that position. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think he'll be a positive uh, in terms of the center of the midfield. I'd love to see Fierro and Espinosa as, as the wingers, yeah. uh, with C- Cade being first off the bench for either one of them. And then uh, it's going to be really tough to, to see if uh, Wando gets to start on opening day or whether mm. the team is starting to make those adjustments. Again, Jesse Fiorinelli is, is sort of hinting, and, and Mateus has even spoken about, you know, Chris will get every opportunity when when it's there, but uh, that you know they're already, you know, they need to start thinking about that next step yeah so rios is a starter for sure um i think he plays that kind of two-way position he's not a you know super attacking forward but he, mm-hmm. he understands his role to play some defense um paired up with wando that would be a pretty good attack uh, but uh, if you want to get chofis on the field then of course you know then maybe wando takes to the bench okay yeah and just thinking about your your uh, your answer there if jt yule and wando are out of the game who's the captain, right? <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's a great, it's yeah. a very good question. It's a very good question. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting having uh, been a long time observer of this team and, and having the luxury to see them in training for so many years and, mm-hmm. and, and having that, you know, change, you know, in, in the current situation since the pandemic, you know, trainings have not right. been open. You don't get to see how guys communicate and interact. It's tough to say, you know, uh, guys like Andy Rios are, are able to talk and have a lot of influence on the team. Mm. Um, Alanis 
is another person who's got some respect, especially in the locker room, who could be mm. that could be that voice. Um, it's it's a tough one, you know, beyond yeah. the obvious uh, names, you know, who would be the next to step up. Um, if Daniel Vega is playing, he yeah. becomes a logical choice for captain. Again, right. you know, kind of a, a guy who's got uh, the communication uh, throughout the, the back line mm. and also throughout the team. So it's going to be a curious question uh, yeah. who Mateus <laughs> turns to in those situations. Because, yeah, beyond those three, especially with Jackson being the heir apparent to captain, uh, I think it's a bit wide open for that honor. Yeah, no, definitely. It's going to be a fun to find out, right? So if it's, yep. it's probably going to happen sometime at, during the season. And Magnus being gone, it really doesn't leave any player in, in the right right of passage to get that cap, captain armband. All right. Mm-hmm. So, Robert, what player are you most excited about this season? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it might seem like an obvious choice, but uh, Cade Cowell hmm. is, uh, he's, he's a, he's a, well, he's a young man. We'll just say that he's not a boy anymore, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's not your prototypical 17 year old. Uh, he's a, he's a, you know, physical wonder. He's uh, yeah. got a, he's got a good and developing soccer IQ. He's a sponge uh, in terms of information. He wants to learn. He's mm-hmm. really paying attention to the veterans around him. And he's, uh, you know, he's in a good situation right now where you have a Quakes team that, you know, has guys that want to see the youngsters succeed. And they're mm-hmm. looking, af- looking after them. I mean, Cade himself said uh, his words, you know, uh, hey, I get to be a kid. I get to make mistakes. You know, I'm not being kind of bossed around or told to what to do. And for such a player with uh, such an upside, you know, that's going to be so important to, to be able to do so. If there's one yeah. thing Mateus has promoted in this team is, you know, go out there and, and do what you can do. You know, play soccer, have fun, show yeah. the joy. And uh, for a youngster who might be fighting for playing time and hope he doesn't kind of ruin his opportunity, you know, there could be caution in, in play. And, and if Cade doesn't have to worry about that, then it'll be really interesting to see what he what he what he puts out there. And uh, yeah. when he gets his opportunities, I don't see him shying away from uh, really being an attacking focused player, someone who really wants to get out there and get the goals he feels he even should have had last year. Yeah. And do you see maybe a position change coming up, maybe starting striker on opening day? Is is that possible? I think it is. I think Mm. there's a lot for him to earn. Um, I think it would be a big, big uh, kind of boost for him and, and uh, you know, one that, you know, he seems willing to take yeah. at the same time. I think he's also uh, understands, you know, as a, as a, as a member of a team that he still has to earn that. And, and it may yeah. take, uh, it may take some preseason excellence. It may take yeah. the consistency and training to do so. His words. And when we asked him about it a couple of weeks ago about goals for the season was he has to find his finishing touch and yeah. you start your finishing touch in practice. That's something we saw uh, Wanda do from day one when he arrived in San Jose he put hours into his training and just got better and better and better at it and then when you're just 17 you know there's only been so many hours you've been training in your life so you know he's got that time to still uh, to still work with Um, if you were the opening day starter I wouldn't be shocked I would Mm. be very impressed I'll just say that and uh, I would absolutely be intrigued yeah and like how Andy Rios last year had those some crazy goals in preseason or he had those big goal games during preseason. He was undoubtedly the starter opening day for our team. And that could possibly happen again for Cade Cowell. So we'll see. Time will tell, right? (laughs) 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why they got to practice. Yeah. And, and if he is the day one starter, maybe we see Barcelona knocking really quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. There might be a lot more of those number 44 jerseys sold. So yeah, awesome no, definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, who will have the biggest bounce back season in your eyes? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I, <laughs> I, uh, like trying to think about guys who maybe didn't do as much as we mm-hmm. thought they would. Um, I don't know. I'm going to take a little bit of a flyer here with uh, Eric Cavillo. I, mm. um, he, he's a guy that uh, from from the day I met him, uh, he just he just impressed me as uh, having found the right place. Uh, mm. You know, coming coming into the club, you know, coming out of the the his Cosmos experience, yeah. you know, and you know, and and kind of really flying under the radar in terms of acquisitions. I don't think really anyone made a mm. big fuss about it at the time, but he's very quietly gained uh, the trust of teammates and especially the coaching staff. You know, we're yeah. starting to see him get the attention at the international level, which is right. very exciting for him. Um, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a person who can step into that central midfield role, potentially start uh, pressure, pressuring the, the main starters for minutes yeah. and, and not just be uh, you know relegated to a bench role. I'd love to, I'd love to see uh, what he could get in, in more time on the field. He's got really good vision and, and the ability to kind of play the ball forward and keep his head up. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, you know, you don't teach, you know, you have right. that and you develop that. And that's something where uh, if he gets his opportunities, you know, call it a bounce back, maybe yeah. from just not having opportunities. Right. But uh, I think, uh, you know, Cavillo could be the guy. Yeah. And we're the biggest Eric Cavillo fans because he's been on the podcast twice. So <laughs> we would go. love, we would love for that to happen. I was watching We're the game that he, yeah, I was watching the game where he came on for El Salvador and played a 45. He looked pretty good on the ball. I know he, he said on the podcast that his, one of his biggest weaknesses was turning with the ball. And it looked like he was practicing on that or practicing with that because he looked like a natural playing for El Salvador, definitely one of the bright spots of that team. And the announcers knew that. I mean, every time they wanted to announce his name, they would say, oh, he plays for Matias Almeida. You know, <laughs> So he definitely had <laughs> a go. swagger with them when he played for El Salvador. And, and, you know, possibly if Jackson Ewell's over at the U.S. men's national team and we have Remedi and Utsin maybe gassed during the game, the first option off the bench is for the, for the center midfield role possibly could be our Calvillo. So we're excited yeah. to see this next season. Definitely. Definitely. And still a youngster too. If in, yeah. in soccer, in soccer years, you know, a guy who's you know potentially going to be hitting his prime uh, playing seasons in these next two, three, four years. So here's a real good opportunity for him to make that leap. Yeah. And, and we're definitely excited for him again. So let's go, Eric. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where do the earthquakes land in the standings? Ooh, somewhere in the Western Conference, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, it's a great question, and I think every year uh, I, I I go back and forth in my sort of my optimism versus yeah. my pep- pessimism, uh, <laughs> and it, it's it's mainly because the Quakes have kind of gone up and down in the standings mm-hmm. from year to year. Um, it's a team that you know has you know for better or for worse you know been a kind of a borderline playoff team. Mm. Um, 2012 as a, as a very key exception to that over the yeah. last decade. But, you know, a team that, you know, when things go well and there's consistency, you know, they become a playoff team. Right. Um, and when things kind of fall off the, the tracks a little bit or they, you know, they just have unevenness on, on the field, you know, they become a, uh, unfortunately, a wooden spoon uh, con- contender. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, this team I still feel is probably somewhere in that zone, probably mm. a contender when things go right. Um, I think the right. one 
part of the the uh, kind of the setup this year that that helps them uh, become a more I'll say uh, legitimate playoff contender mm. is that you know the the changes to the roster and the adjustments to to who's getting the minutes mm. uh, under Almeida has led to a squad that is you know you could say pretty much is his squad now. Yeah, and um, if he's able to get the best out of these guys that uh, not only have come in over this off season and the previous season, but the holdovers that have really established themselves as well, you know, then a third year, a second year under Almeida and under his guidance is uh, kind of you know should prove to to be effective. And if it doesn't, then you know that's you know we'll learn that out probably pretty quickly, and I'm sure we'll yeah. see some low moments. It's just whether this team uh, kind of weathers through those low moments that uh, right. they can truly. Uh, kind of manifest that uh, dense destiny as a playoff team. Okay, perfect. So you have them maybe in the fifth place, sixth place. <laughs> I, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see them com- depending on the playoff format. I don't see them yeah. competing for that home game uh, there mm. at the beginning. Uh, but you know, there's uh, you know, there's a lot of games to potentially be played this season. We'll see how yeah. it kind of plays out. Uh, that's going to be a very condensed schedule, and you're going to yeah. be missing a couple of guys like Jackson for potentially uh, quite a few of those games. A guy who's become their captain. Um, but they've got some uh, notable bench players. That's been mm. one of their strategies to make sure that it's not a, an 11 and then some other guys. Right. Rather, you've, you've got a deep enough and consistent enough bench. The guys are plugging into positions and not having to create a lot of uh, uh, kind of n- no necessity to change style or, or mm. change uh, change approach. Right. Okay, perfect. And this all matters if we play, you know, Seattle Sounders four times this year and LAFC <laughs> four times this year. Uh, let me get some Houston Dynamo in there, you know, maybe some Austin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where was Nashville when you Right, them, right. So. <laughs> or Cincinnati, right? Where was Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> give, me, give, give me 30, 34 Cincinnati games. Yeah. Right. See what they can do with them. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so, do you feel the earthquakes are going to bring in another player before the start of the season? Ooh, um, no, uh, mm. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know anything to be able to say that directly. Mm. It's just a feeling based on the, essentially based on the market and based on the realities of what's yeah. going on right now. I think if you're pulling players in from other leagues, especially your, you know, potentially European or even South American leagues, it's about the timing. I think, mm. uh, the way the, uh, the 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 primary and secondary windows work this year, you know, focus the attention on getting guys in July when the secondary window opens, and you still got about two thirds of the season left to go. There's still yeah. plenty of time to make a move uh, when you've got again a pretty sizable number of teams in the conference making the playoffs, mm. and so there's no reason to rush into anything in the next couple of weeks. Having said that, if one of the the deals that uh, Jesse has been trying to work on materializes, he's going to yeah. pull the trigger, no doubt yeah. about it. There's no reason to wait for the summertime. Uh, but I think the realities of the market, the pieces moving in other clubs, uh, mm. is going to require time to be uh, to pass before those moves start to be made. Okay, perfect. And yeah, I mean, this team on paper does look like a solid playoff team. Um, but if let's say we got a solid, solid nine coming in before the season, then maybe yeah. we become a dark horse to win the championship. But for right now, I feel like we would be a, maybe a second round, third round playoff team. And, but we're missing that solid nine. But if Cade Cal can be that, right. <laughs> hey, if he steps into it right away and right. uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've already seen so much out of him in a year, about a little over a year. So right. uh, why not? Why not? 
<laughs> let's get him some minutes, you know, maybe shop him around, you know. <laughs> hey, Daryl Dyke is doing great. So, I mean, Kid Cal could maybe yeah. be the next one. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, sometimes they, uh, that's what you need. You need your opportunity and the trust yeah. of teammates and, uh, right. you know, good things happen to good players when they get that. Yeah. Okay. So what's your Teutonic take for the 2021 MLS season? Great question. I'm going to use a yeah. bit of an analogy to set it up, which okay. is that uh, uh, if for anyone out there who's into gardening or growing anything, there's a, a saying about uh, plants. You know, the first year of a plant, it tends to sleep. And its second year, it tends to creep. And by the third year, it really starts to leap. Mm -hmm. And we've seen the the seeds of the Almeida, you know, methodology and, and uh, philosophy, you know, be planted when he joined this team a couple of years ago. This is season number three. This is the season where this team needs to leap. And I think that leap is going to happen in, in a lot of the, the the players that we started to see turn things on last season. Mm -hmm. Carlos Fierro, for yeah. example. Um, Christian Espinosa, you know, he's already, we know he's the star of this team. He's their DP. Yeah. You know, here's his chance to become the DP at the MLS level where he gets mm -hmm. in those conversations, those potential MVP conversations. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, my tectonic take is, you know, we're going to see a quake uh, in the in the uh, in the conversation for MVP. To mm. me, that could be the Espinosa, and we're going to see some of these dark horses uh, start to compete for those offensive categories. A team yeah. that you know wasn't always predict or wasn't always able to to convert and get the goals they needed last season. I see them scoring some goals this season. I look for a lot of excitement on the offensive side of the field. And that, yeah, that's exciting. I mean, that's exciting news. I mean, I want to see goals. So anybody wants to see goals, right? All the all the goals. Let's make yeah. this happen. Yes. <laughs> Different era from the Dom Kinnear era. But, uh, <laughs> definitely yeah. goals are welcomed. Um, so Robert, I have something to ask you. Um, I went a little crazy on Twitter this last week and I said, the Quakes <laughs> have the best midfield on paper in MLS. What do you hmm. feel about that? <laughs> I think that's uh, also would probably qualify as a tectonic take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot to like about this infield or this mm. uh, this midfield. Um, I I do feel that, like I say, if things go well, you've got yourself a potential MVP candidate out there on the wing. Um, yeah. We just we just don't know enough about. Uh, well, actually, say we do know enough about Jackson. We know yeah. what Juson can do. He's quite the destroyer in there. You know, if Chofis uh, steps into that role, if he truly can play mm. a distributing number ten and and really start to influence the pace of the game. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a very challenging midfield for opponents to uh, to deal with. Um, mm. And uh, will it be the best uh, in the league? Um, is it the best on paper today? I don't think so. I think there's some some pretty strong midfields out there, but I think it could have a really strong effect working as a unit. And so, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe you'll be proven right. I think this uh, there's there's some underlying talent there, but uh, whew, I, I need to see on the field before yeah. I'm going to go with, uh, with agree with you. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's definitely a, a very good take. It's a very good take. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be the Lexi Lala's of Quakes Media. <laughs> <laughs> all right well keep no no keep there there's a role to be had there so i, I yeah. encourage you to uh, keep no, those if, if, coming <laughs> if trophies lopez can be somewhat of a zellerain i mean type of player which is possible because zellerain i believe was off the bench for tigres so yeah, absolutely he absolutely completely flourished in mls and under almeida i do have really really high hopes for trophies and 
you know, just looking at the comments on Instagram, you could tell that that Chiba situation was just completely toxic. I mean, hearing every single day about your weight or about your, you know, just the media bombarding you every single day about, oh, what did he eat? Oh, he had a couple of beers. It, it drains you mentally. So I, I expect Trophies Lopez to have a really big season this year. And even if he has an ounce of Zellarain, I think it's a win in my book. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would, that's a, that's a really good, uh, a really good connection there. You yeah. know, I don't think anyone saw the, uh, the Columbus crew becoming uh, that level of championship quality, yeah. you know, with one player addition, but he made such a difference in that midfield. And if the right. Quakes can capture that same uh, effect out of Chofis, then yeah, they could easily be a contender by the season's end. All right. Well, Robert, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Where can people, again, find your information or all the content that you make? Absolutely. Yeah. Check check me out on Twitter for the latest updates. I'll be uh, letting folks know where uh, more of my work will be found as we get closer and closer here to the beginning of the season. Um, don't want to make an announcement just yet, but uh, hopefully there'll be some, <laughs> uh, some, some good news around the corner. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be one of the first to know. Perfect. Well, I want to give a quick shout out to the Beautiful Game Network for sponsoring this video, as well as everybody on Patreon that supports us. Without you, this is not possible. And if you guys are looking to follow someone on Instagram, San Jose Earthquake Memes, thank you for going ahead and sponsoring us. So go ahead and uh, follow them. And Robert, thank you so much. All I have to say is go Quakes. Quakes.